Hello, 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 it is me, Howard H. Smith, and this is another episode of Talking Bollocks. Welcome, welcome back if you are coming back and you are a regular bollocker, and welcome for the first time if this is indeed your first time, no matter how you found me, whether it was through the uh, Sepultura Sepulquata specials, or whether it was through the Motorcast, or just good old-fashioned wandering through podcasts looking for some mouthy twat who talks about metal, well, you found the right twat. Hello, welcome, my name is Howard H. Smith, I am lead singer in the UK thrash band Acid Rain. I also perform stand-up comedy. It's Keith Platt, keithplatt.co.uk. Does anybody uh, go to websites anymore? And all the usual social media for this podcast as well, at Talking Bollocks on just about every platform you can imagine, including Instagram. Um, Instagram's been up a couple of months now, so um, if you'd like to start following there, please do. It's at Talking Bollocks, but with a Z on the end instead of an S. Fucking typical. Listen to this. Right, okay, you just missed it there. Um, I've been... Here it is. Oh, oh, how fucking annoying is this? Right, there's some bastard with a circular saw outside of the block of flats where I live. And um, he's sort of like in the... I was going to say foyer. Courtyard, for want of a better, better uh, description, but courtyard makes it sound like I live in a castle. Um, so anyway, just past the drawbridge and before the portcullis, um, there's a twat with a circular saw. Not made up. Not made a sound all day and the minute one minute and 30 seconds into recording the podcast you fucking bass anyway look if this is your first time you're thinking what the fuck and regular listeners are thinking yep this is as usual how it has disappeared on a tangent before the podcast has really actually started well let's get cracking on with what's been happening in the world of metal since we last spoke ted nugent has continued to be a massive cunt what a surprise there you go first c word and that's right i meant cunt not corona or covid um yeah, uh, just what a twat. Uh, no, no matter what you think about his politics or... or any, is there anybody who now sees the headline of the Nuge's latest brain fade and thought, oh, I'll read more of that. Oh, yeah, I'll click that link. That sounds interesting. No, it's just a man falling apart in front of the world, living on his, you know, living on his little fucking farm or homestead or whatever the fuck it is ranch i don't know um you know he's just completely and utterly lost it the guy is out there and the thing is well it's just yeah anyway i've led with him as the first topic what an idiot i don't go and look for ted nugent stuff don't please he's a fucking knobhead um, there you go. There, there's a. I've done my research, haven't I? There you go. I've got all my uh, got all my ducks in a row. Um, uh, next up, we have got System of a Down have released new music for the right reasons. Um, all money going to charity um, uh, due to um, hideous acts currently being um, committed upon the Armenian people and Armenian communities. So fair play to them for getting their act together. But I've got to be honest. I'll be completely honest, I haven't listened to the songs and I'm not going to listen to the songs because there's, 
you know, no album in the works. It's just two songs. It's just a, a reminder of what they're capable of. And I, I, I don't want a reminder. I want to hear what they're capable of. Um, I've mentioned a few times before. To me, as a band, they're they're pretty much they're dead to me as a band is the is the phrase I'm looking for right now. And, until they um, until they you know start working on a new album. I mean, yeah, two songs in over ten years. Mm, I don't know. Still more than tool managing it but you always knew they were working on an album yeah it's just doing my head in so no no not happening and it must have been a slow new day snoo slow slow i don't know what i'm saying right it must have been a slow news day i don't know why i think i wanted to say a snow lose day okay slow news day or snow lose day slow news day mick jagger is on blabbermouth yeah that's right he of that awesome thrash no uh metal no rock mm, not really pop yeah. bluesy bluesy poppy middle of the roady bandy who yes they were cutting edge when they came out but it's middle of the road stuff now folks um yeah uh, apparently blabbermouth has started uh reporting on what what chick mick jagger thinks i nearly said chick jagger what the fuck is going on honestly i've been fine all day minute i picked up the mic just turned into a gibbering twat don't know what the hell has gone on here anyway uh, in more news slipknot working on muse new music according to uh, according to clown for that is how he will always be known um they are starting to work on a new music <laughs> and funnily enough seeing a picture of slipknot doing well three of them doing a press conference in masks and i just thought well yeah you know that who would have thought all those years ago when i was picking up the first slipknot album that there would come a time where actually wearing their masks in public would seem fairly sensible (laughs) and uh and yeah so there you go new slipknot is in the works be a while before we hear any of that but i tell you what what you can hear what you can hear only out for a few days killer be killed new album reluctant hero i've only managed to listen to it once so far um so that's you know no that's not even i can't even give you early impressions listening to it once it's like right okay so that's the the album now you've got to go and listen to it again so you know further thoughts to come if you care or or, or not either way further thoughts to come on that in future episodes uh, next up creator are the latest metal band to make some coffee that's right creator are making coffee so um what's it called is it is it creator is it a riot of violence in a cup no not at all is it brewing is it going to turn out to be a terrible certainty hey no it's not is it going to be extremely aggressive apparently not it is black sunrise so there you go in case you're wondering what a uh, a creator coffee would ever be called if they made one it is black sunrise so there you go not um not uh, coffee of souls they could have gone for that um uh, i i am going to get completely lost on a load of creator uh, creator puns now aren't i um no can't think of any to be honest but um there you go um 
so yeah creative got a new coffee out that's, that's that's all there is there really you see the thing is the weird thing is right that because i'm a comedian yes once upon a time i was i was a comedian when there was this thing called stand-up comedy you could do but half of my brain is detached from talking to you and he's desperately trying to think of creator um coffee puns now the thing is a i could have worked on those um and adam ready b i don't i don't ever know what i'm gonna blurt out so that's kind of like the downside of that so if i did sound like i was kind of zoning out that is why that's what's going on in my head at the moment but please bear with me okay i'm locked up just like the rest of you at the moment and fucking hell I mean, I, I dropped a dropped a WhatsApp message into a, a a group I'm part of with my old football team, and there's like ten or eleven people in there. And I dropped a uh, I dropped a joke. Somebody had put in there, and I somebody put something in there, and I responded with a joke, and um, it went down really well. And everybody was like, you know, sending laughing emojis and like you know applause emojis and stuff like and the relevant gifts, etc. And it was Saturday night, and I literally I turned to my mate and I said, look. There you go. Saturday night, I've put one joke in a WhatsApp group. Everyone likes it. That is the closest I'm getting to do a gig right now. That is that's where I, that's where I've got to try and get my you know my comedy rocks off in a WhatsApp group with like a few people in it. That's it. That is the equivalent of a comedy gig right now for me at least. So um, so yeah, you know, please do bear with me whilst I um, I, I I literally fall apart in front of your ears after all of this fucking lockdown and bullshit that's been going on. But you know, hey, such is life. So um, one, from one um, interesting way of making money as a band, which is making coffee, to another that's got nothing to do with music. That's right. Pantera are releasing a far beyond driven 3D um, vinyl kind of model. It's in production at the moment. Um, needless to say, it's officially licensed. It, the album was released in 1994, so there are only 1,994 being made. Each is handcrafted. Um, and yeah, it's made in resin and it's seven and a half pounds heavy. And yeah, that's it. So, so if you, you know, if you looked at, if when you got Pantera Far Beyond Driven and you saw that blue skull with a drill bit being drilled through the middle of the skull and Pantera Far Beyond Driven, if you ever thought, hmm, now there is an interesting sculpture I would like on my mantelpiece. Well, now is your time because Pantera, well, you know, whoever runs Pantera these days has thought, I know what we can do. I know what this world is missing. I know what we've never done. Let's put out a full-on, proper, um, recreated model of the... Um, uh, of the Fabrion Driven album cover. Um, it literally is the answer to a question nobody ever asked. But hey, you know, such is life. I guess it keeps the, pan the Pantera uh, the Pantera name going and keeps it out there. Um, uh, in, in other news, smashing back to uh, music, Sodom, new album, Genesis XIX. You know what I'm like with Roman numerals. I just say them like that because I never know what they represent. Um, uh, I haven't had a chance to listen to it. We'll be uh, we'll be listening to that as soon as and, um, uh, and and coming back and letting you know what I think. Um, and this is almost like the exact opposite of that story. 
Um, just just a, a nod to one of my all-time favourite albums and probably the album, along with Day at the Races, that is responsible for getting me into music full stop, and that is Queen's Greatest Hits, the very first one, which has just landed on the Billboard Top 10 in the USA for the first time. For the first time since it was released in 1981, after a jaw-dropping 412 weeks on the chart, Queen's landmark Greatest Hits compilation has hit the top 10 of the Billboard 200, rocketing from 36 to number 8. Its previous peak was number 11, which it hit in 1992. The nine-times platinum-selling career-spanning collection has... uh, has uh, also hit number one on Billboard's vinyl album chart, the second largest sales week uh, of 2020 for any vinyl release. There is Queen still kicking everybody's fucking ass. Um, for, and for those of you that don't know this, uh, interesting fact about Queen's Greatest Hits is it is the um, biggest selling album in the UK. It's the biggest selling album that's ever been in the UK to the extent that there is enough copies sold for one in five households has a copy of Queen's Greatest Hits. How fucking insane is that? Speaking of insane and old bands and going to number one and things like that, obviously I now stray beautifully as if it was almost figured out like this. It wasn't. ACDC's Power Up lands at number one on the Billboard chart. That's right. They are back with doing what they do best. It's an ACDC album um, with Power Up. So who would have thought it? Who would have thought it when it was all kicking off and Axel was having to sing in the band and everybody was saying, oh, that's disrespectful. And, you know, the, the let's face it, the, the lineup was not looking good. I mean, Phil Rudd, I know I've mentioned it before, but I've got a point. I've got to touch on it again. Boy, has that guy got his life together. You know, I mean, he was like on meth and high and, and arrested for um, trying to procure a hit person. And, um, and, you know, then it all goes quiet. Next thing you see, he's playing drums on the new album. You're fucking kidding me. Um, I haven't got around to hearing it yet. I do apologise. I'm sure I will do. Um, I've got no excuse. I mean, you know, fucking hell, lockdown, all this. I mean, I really do have no excuse. I do apologise. I'll get on the case. Sorry. So, (laughs) what a way to see in one of the shittest years ever. There's a band who are offering tickets for a lockdown live streaming show on December the 18th from London and they are doing it as a way of seeing off this horrible vile year and who else would you want to spend the time with in your front room to see off 2020 than the darkness that's right pretty much anyone else <laughs> pretty much any other band um i mean i admi- i admire the um you know i i, I admire the, uh, the the thought but um you know no really no to me that that just sums up 2020 perfectly yeah and the band who are going to be seeing it out the last live streaming show from London of the year is The Darkness. That sums up fucking 2020 to an absolute T. 
tea for me. It really fucking does. That just puts the tin hat... Does anybody know what that phrase means? That's put the tin hat on it. I mean, I don't want to come across like a completely old bastard, but the phrase, you know, putting the tin hat on it, for those of you who may be not aware of that phrase, it is a phrase, I promise. I'm not just ranting utter gibberish here. I'm not chatting shit, bruv. Right, it's basically, um, you know, when when something's gone wrong and then something else goes wrong on top of that, it's like, oh well, that's put the tin hat on it. What does that fucking mean? Has any, I mean, you know, uh, uh, is it war? Is it to do with the war when you had to wear like a tin hat, like a helmet? Um, and and why would that be bad? Surely you'd be putting the helmet on to protect yourself from like you know bullets and stabbings and falling rubble and Hitler and things like that. Yeah. So why why would be putting the tin hat on it would surely be a good thing if you're putting a tin hat on you're saving yourself you're protecting yourself or is it because if you needed to put the tin hat on that meant that there was going to be a bombing so that's bad news so it's like oh yeah that's put the tin hat on it you know there's as in oh, i've got to put the tin hat on bad news shit's coming i don't know okay i haven't got the answers ah uh, yes i am falling asleep in your vet falling asleep falling apart in your very ears i'm just bloody interested if anybody out there can enlighten me i would really appreciate it um so i guess we should probably get on with an interview well i say we and of course i mean me so um two interviews in this podcast because uh i like you i like where you're coming from i like the cut of your jib i like that i like the attitude you've displayed so far i think you've done good stuff good work um and you deserve you deserve two interviews not just the one okay so let's go for it. First up is drummer from um, Kill the Lights. That's right. It is Moose. Now, Moose was formerly in A Bullet for My Valentine, as I'm sure many of you are aware. He is also um, from Bridge End, um, as is Cookie, our guitarist. And I bumped into members of Bullet a few times, but never met Moose. So now was a chance to have a little bit of a chat relieve both our boredom and uh, find out where he's at and find out a little bit about the um, Kill the Lights album. So, this was us catching up a couple of weeks ago. Hello there. What's happening? Sorry, brother. I hit the fucking wrong button then. It wasn't your fault. It was totally me. I, um, I, I, yeah, I accidentally hung up. You didn't. (laughs) Oh, all right, okay. It's your fault, then. <laughs> yeah, absolutely my fault, mate. Cool. Well, well, that's a nice start. So, um, uh, well, uh, we've got quite a few friends in common, haven't we? We do indeed, yeah. I've never actually crossed your path either, I don't think. Yeah, I know it's it's one of those weird ones, isn't it? Where it's like I feel I, I feel like we're you know we we've we've like known each other for years and and been to loads of places and done loads of gigs together, but we've never met. <laughs> Yeah, it's weird. It's always through uh, someone else, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It's totally bizarre. It really is. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I know. I, I know your your neck of the woods really well. And obviously, I mean, uh, you and Cookie have known each other for years, haven't you? Yeah, fuck. I know Cookie since I was fuck thirteen. Bloody I'm, hell! I know. I'm thirty nine now. That's <laughs> a little while. Yeah, that, that's a little while, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, ever so slightly. So, uh, so how are you? Uh, how are you coping with? Um, uh, I mean, you know, it's, the first question is always got to be, you know, how are you coping with the way things are at the moment? Because obviously, you you guys are going into new levels of lockdown, aren't you? 
Yeah, um, I just got it really, you know, in this new band and all that. We released an album. Yeah. And then ready to go, shows booked, and then back in this, I mean, Rollins, all us musicians are in the same fucking boat, really. I mean, what can we do but wait, I guess? Yeah, no, I mean, we're in a very similar situation to yourself, you know. Um, uh, well, apart from it took us 29 years to, to, to get the fucking new album together. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, um, uh, yeah, and then bingo, this happens, and, and it just, it just like, takes your feet away, doesn't it? It's, it's horrible. Yes, yeah, it's, it's so frustrating. It's just like, oh, fuck, come on. But I think out of this, like, negative thing, like, hopefully if this goes away next year, I think the metal world should be expecting two things. I think good fucking albums, because there's no excuses to have a, a rushed, boring album, and uh, lots of tours. I think. Yeah, I, and I, I, I think as well, I think there's going to be a lot of people, um, well, it was starting to happen anyway, but I think I think we're going to get tours with headliners all combining. Do you know oh, what I mean? Awesome. Yeah. yeah. But, well, the thing is, it, you know, if you've got, you know, we've all, we've all not been on tour, then we all want to go on tour. What's the point in fighting each other? Do you know what I mean? In like, in, in, in different towns, it's like, what's the point in, in like, you know, us playing in um, in Cardiff, and then in Bridgend, you've got Zentrix doing a gig. Do you know what I mean? It's except, yeah, exactly. You know, you know let's let, let's let's get the bigger. You know, let's get bands on bills together and just and pack places out. Exactly, a big fucking celebration when this annoying fucking thing fucks off. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Because uh, well, you've got you've got dates booked for March, haven't you? Yes, so far, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. They've, they've definitely been penciled in for June as well, just in case. Yeah, it's 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 got to be done. Well, look on the subject of dates. I thought Hobos had packed up being a music venue. Um, I think it did for a little bit because they swapped um they swapped like uh, owners or like management or something like that. But the guy who runs it now, he he's, uh, he loves music and loves metal and stuff, so. He, he wants to put it back as a live venue, which is a good thing. Oh yeah, that's a brilliant, brilliant little venue. Yeah, so I really, I never played there before. So with Killer Lights now, it's my first time playing. So I'm really looking forward to playing. Actually, oh, it'll be an absolute pit. It really will. In fact, it, well, yeah, the whole the whole venue will be a pit. <laughs> it's it's that yeah. it's that you know you're just so rammed in there. I mean, we've we've played there I think two or three times, and it and it's just been it's been brilliant. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, no, I love hobos. I always go there. If it's like a bar, I think I've seen you. Have I seen you? No, I haven't. <laughs> I've never seen you. That's weird, that is. <laughs> it, it is. It is. It's, it, it is weird, but, you know, we've got to face facts. <laughs> I know. Um, but, and, and funnily enough, whilst we were recording our album, I know Jace was, was pinging bits and pieces across to uh, Colin to get to get, like, his feedback on some of the sounds he was getting and stuff like that. And um and and, a, and a, a Colin was working on your album at the time because we were we like we were both in the studio at the same time although I think you were in the studio a lot longer than we were. Well, I think yeah, I think it was about two two and a half come up no two years, two years and a bit. So when the yeah, it's been a fucking long time. So I just want to tour now. Do you know what I mean? But it's good though that we were both in in the studio at the same time and obviously Jess was talking to Colin. Yeah, I was in. I was in England and you were in Wales, which is the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> um, and how, how how was the recording? What was it? Because um, I, I know you were you were hard at it for quite some time. We Colin. 
Yeah, no, it's always good with Colin. He always pushes you and is like, you think it's good? And Colin's like, I think you can do better. And it's like, ah, sleeve driver. But, you know, it's what makes the song better, I guess. So, yeah, it was just really nice to actually go in the studio in a relaxed environment with no label, like no management. It was just me, Colin, and Chris Clancy. It was awesome. Yeah, that's I, and and that way you can really kind of just sort of relax, can't you? And and just concentrate on delivering the best. Yeah, exactly. There was no pressure. It was, just, it was like, what do you want to do tonight then after tracking? I was like, fucking candle Guinness, I think. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, so you got. I mean. Did you did were you working with Colin right from the you know right from the outset because presumably you were putting the you were putting the band together and putting songs together um, for quite some time before you got in the studio. Yeah, um, Jordan was in place, I was in place, and James the vocalist was in place. So we were lacking a bass player and a lead guitarist. So while we were tracking the drums, Clancy, the co-producer, and the engineer who's now our bass player, mentioned that we should give Travis a ring. So we did. And he sent us like four slamming solos, which blew our minds really. And he was like, okay, do you want to fly over to Blackpool? And he was like, yeah, Blackpool. And I was like, don't get your hoops up, mine's Blackpool. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, man, I was thinking I'd be flying into England seeing thatched cottages. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, it's Blackpool. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. brilliant. How is Blackpool these days? Because it's a while since I've been, and last time I went, it was a shithole. Nothing's changed, I guess. <laughs> I haven't been, I, I been since I was about... My parents took me on holidays when I was about nine, and I was like, I think it's exactly the same as that. But me and Jordan sat down for a beer before we started the on the, the day we got there, so the studios booked the next day, so we sat down and went to a pub. And they're just fucking hair glued to the table and fucking disgusted. Oh, <laughs> fucking hell. That is rough. That is rough. Cheap drinks, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah you'd, you'd, you'd expect it, wouldn't you? Fucking hell. Yeah. Um, so, how, when, when you were, so when you were working on these songs, who was working on these songs with you initially when you started pushing, putting them together? Um, just me and Jordan. Yeah. obviously... I I can play like chords on a guitar, but I can't play guitar as well as you know other people can play guitar. So I I can't really write songs the way I want to drum to, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So so I just text Jordan. I was like, cause I knew he, he was like a riff lord. So I was just like, send me some stuff. And he sends me like thirty songs. So I'm like, cool, that's in place. So me and Jordan were doing all the music, and then we needed obviously vocalists, and we went we went around the world with vocalists. We had two Russian guys try out, and. You should be, never be fooled. So never be fooled by demos is a golden rule now, is it? Yeah, never be fooled by demos and YouTube videos because they looked awesome and sounded awesome and they had like 100,000 followers on their social media accounts and stuff. We sent them a demo, we're like, cool. You know, we're waiting fucking weeks past, we're like, where's this demo? It's like, oh, okay. And then they send these demos back and it's just like, fuck, that's real bad. <laughs> that's like, bad, bad. Shit. Like, it's, it's just fake. And it's, I don't know how many people like they just get away with it. And it's re- it's really fucking weird. So then I put on my Facebook as I just I did get to all and I was just like anyone could sing really good with melodies and lyrics and stuff. And James then because he I know James is bad toward us when I was in Bullet in 2013. He's like I'll give her a go. 
I was like, oh, okay, there you go. Two days later, I was like, fuck, this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so just go to show, really. You should just, I don't know. Yeah. Facebook well, yeah, but but also use use the contacts you've got because, like you said, you know, you've you thought right, let's go, let's like scour the world for a singer, and it turns out it was somebody you already knew. Yeah, it's it's fucking mental. And I was like, will he work for this project because he was like in a more of a like a rock based band rather than a metal band? And I was like, oh, you know, give everyone a chance, and thank fuck we did, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's, it is the hardest job, it, you know. It says the singer. Um, I would say that, wouldn't I? But um, yeah. but it is. It's a, but it's also. It, 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 but it can make or break you, can't it? I mean, you know, it, the amount of bands yeah, that you can list where it's like, yeah, but oh, I don't like the singer. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the music is great underneath. Everyone's like working hard on the music, and then if the vocals don't fit on top, it's just one waste of time, really. Yeah, absolutely. And did um, did Chris did Chris produce the vocals? Because I know he's a he's he's a, a pretty damn good singer himself. Oh yeah, I mean, Jordan sent Chris the songs before I was involved. So there's a vo- there's a vocal track with Chris doing the faceless, but before it was a faceless or a face single, which was really good. But for some reason, Chris got into pro- production and stuff. Yes, but so when James was singing, it was definitely he was definitely um, making him hurt, should we say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he's an awesome vocalist, it's Chris. So yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, but that that's the thing, though, isn't it? And it, and I think you know you were saying earlier about Colin saying like you know come on you can do better and and you know I I know when I'm when I'm in the studio, I want I want like someone to push me because sometimes you can do a take and you just think that feels right that feels good yeah. that feels right on and then someone else turns around and goes, but you can do better than that, and you think yeah really. Can I? Because that felt pretty fucking good. And then, you know, you put that you put that bit of extra effort in, and you think, fucking hell, wow, yeah, I could do better, yeah. and I have done, and and that sounds great. But I need that person to push me. Yeah, and me because there's nothing worse than going, ah, oh, okay, it's all right. Then you it plays on your fucking mind, then you're like, ah, I knew I could have done better, and you're like, okay, you gotta do it again because it's just I can't settle for anything less than. You know, hundred percent. I think. Yeah, yeah, and also I think it's it's um it's always handy as well when you've got people in the studio who who know the instruments and you can't beat having a producer who know who knows how to play instruments rather because otherwise you you know sometimes you're getting suggestions. I know spoken to drummers before and it's like there's nothing worse than getting suggestions from a producer about changing a drummer pattern or a drum pattern or, or something like that and they explain their idea and you're thinking. Yeah, you've never played the drums. You can't fucking do that. Yeah, it's weird. It's interesting you say that because I've on the live side of things. When I was touring America, with Bullet, all of my drum techs couldn't play drums. How <laughs> weird is that? That's that's bizarre. I was like, yeah, um, they were like check the kit, and they would just hit any kit. I was like, huh? You can't play drums. And then all the British guys who was my techs could play. I was just like, this is fucking so weird. It was, it was fucking strange. I've met guitar techs who can't play guitar as well. Yeah, I mean that's that is weird. I mean, I, I, because the thing is, it's like I, you know, I stupidly thought half the point of having a drum tech uh, who can play the drums means like you know, never sound check again, basically. Yeah, exactly. But that's the way it went over there. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> 
Yeah, it is. It, it is kind of weird, isn't it? But um, but, I, but look, you know, it's, it's taken um, it, it took you a few years to put to put the project together. But and yes, there's this huge fucking bump in the road with with the virus and everything. But it still must feel good to be to be back out in the world of metal and have that album out there. Yeah, I mean, we knew when we were recording it and it was finished and stuff, we knew what we had, we thought was really good. But now it's out and people are really enjoying it. It's kind of like a massive relief that people are liking it. And we're like, ah, oh, so we're not, we're not full of shit. We do know what we're talking about. <laughs> I, know, I know that feeling. Yeah, yeah, so it's just, yeah, it is really nice to be back. And as soon as this thing goes away, um, I'll be out. But I, boys, you know. I, I, exactly, because I know I know what you mean, though. Because you know, you 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 play a few tracks, or like you know, let let people in the inner circle hear a bit, and yeah. and you know, and and they react positively, and and even people who you know are going to be honest with you and tell you that it was shit if they thought that's what they thought, and they still and they think it's great, and you think yeah, brilliant, but in the back of your mind, it's there's still like yeah, but you're not the public. Yeah, exactly. You're like, are you just being nice to me because you know me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get the opposite. Yeah. People are horrible to me because they know me, but that's understandable. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, have you been? Have you? Well, kind of. You've already answered the question, but you you, you sound pretty happy with um, um, with with the response and everything else. Yeah, it's just like we couldn't be happier. I mean, I'd. One one million six hundred fifty thousand views in the first uh, streams on Spotify the first week. Wow! So we were like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> we were like, oh, "We would have been happy with ten thousand You know what I mean? <laughs> That's insane. But, yeah, yes. Yeah, so I was just on Spotify. We were like, "Boys, man, this is fucking mad." <laughs> I, t- I, I tell you what, that's great. That's that's nearly that's nearly what. But that's about nineteen pounds, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I worked it out. It was about four grand split six ways. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great. Worse, you get you get better better rates stacking shelves in Tesco's. I know. I go straight to the record company. Mind way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not even in one hand out the other. Just like yeah, forget it. You're not seeing it. Yeah, off you go. But um, I, but you, I mean, obviously you've got the bullet connection, but you are still you know starting a band from scratch, and to and and to have that kind of that response, that must have. Well, it clearly blew you away. Yeah, um, I was fucking blown. I was like texting the boys. I was like, Jesus fucking Christ, this is awesome. And like, obviously, with these shows now that I got with, with coming up with Killer Lights, I wanted, I really want to start from the ground up with Killer Lights because yeah. it was great with Bullet, but kind of exploded and just kind of went quite big, quite fast. But with this one, I really want to do as small shows, as, as many small shows as I can. And just pack them out because all the small shows are bullet they're the ones I enjoyed most so I'm trying to do this with this to the correct way with this if, if I'm saying that correctly if you know what I mean yeah well the thing is it's like it's like that's you know the big bigger shows are further down the line and they're there and they'll come but you want to do that yeah you want you want to you want to well you're, you're kind of if you like paying your dues again aren't you rather than sort of going in at a higher level you go I mean I've seen the sort of size venues you're playing and and yeah, absolutely right. I think you know, look looks at those venues and think, yeah, ten ten day UK tour. There's no reason why you can't sell it out. Yeah, I mean, I was like, what's the smallest show we can do? And there's one on the I think it's the first show of the tour. There's a hundred cap on that one. I'm looking forward to the most. 
<laughs> Brilliant. Well, I, I, um, Hobos isn't far off that. I think Hobos is 150 maximum. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. And then we obviously play Download then in summer. So I'm like, I'm looking forward to the small shows more than Download, which is weird. I don't know. Well, I guess it's I guess stuff like Download and the bigger shows, they're more recent in your memory, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's nice to play all the big festivals and stuff, but when you do your own shows, they're there to, you know, listen to the music that they like of you, isn't it? So. And especially doing, I mean, it, you know, it's, well, it's got to be God knows how long since you were playing those smaller shows with Bullet. So yeah. it's, but it's nice to have the two worlds, isn't it? Do a do small venues tour and then, you know, download at the end of it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not complaining. I'll take any. I'll play to five people right now. <laughs> oh mate, I, yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I'd, I'd set up a festival in my own garage at the moment. Um, yeah, but um, and from a live point of view. Um, is it is it all going to be live, or are you going to be triggering some harmonies, or is it just nope, going to be um, down and dirty? It's going to be down and dirty. The only thing I will, well, not cheap, but I I I play to a metronome as it's because if I don't, it's going to be a thousand miles an hour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, I, I I yeah yeah. Many many a time I've wished I had a drummer who'd play to a metronome. <laughs> Yeah, so that's the only thing. Obviously, now with Clancy in the band, I mean, there's no need to have vocals on track or anything because there's two great singers there in the band, so just use them. Yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome, man. Because that you know, there's being able to recreate being able to recreate that album um, with you know just the band and not supplementing it, you know, with with, with a load of um, Pro Tools is that's awesome. Yeah, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. We haven't even rehearsed together yet. <laughs> Fucking hell, really? Well, I tell you yeah. what, that 10-day that tour's going to be fun, isn't it? I know. I'm like, boys, you might want to come over a couple of months early. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We might. You, mind you, you know, you might have split up by the time the tour... If they do, you might have split up by the time the tour starts. <laughs> yeah, the greatest tour that never happened. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, there's nothing... There's, there's nothing that is... Nothing establishes a... Um, uh, who's going to last in the band quicker than a tour, does it? Well, I know. It's a very spinal tap if that happened, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ever so slightly, yeah. And and I guess this is this is pretty much the opposite of, of what you did with Bullet, because Bullet was all, like, you know, coming up with friends and, and you know, growing up, people that you'd grown up with, whereas this is a, a completely different venture you're a you're a music you know you're a you're a music business veteran now i know i get old now i mean well when we do bullets so we got signed 2003 so it's coming up 20 years jesus christ bloody hell so you were so you were in the band for what 14 years um if you I was there i yeah so it was when we got signed it was 2003 and then we were Doing stuff before that, so I got jamming with Matt in about ninety six, ninety seven. That's wow. when it all started. Yeah, I, I left school and just started drumming with Matt. And that, and and, and it, is is there any is there any sort of contact or or, or relationships left there, or is it done for no. now? <laughs> yeah. No, I let, they can do their thing. I'm going to do my thing, and I think that's the best way to be. Mate, te- yeah, give it, give it ten years, and you know, 
if you you'll both be you'll both be doing a tour together. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure if uh, if everyone's money starts dwindling, it'd be like let's do a reunion tour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you never know. You never know. I guess I guess that's to be expected, though, when you work so closely with people. Um, when it when it finally you know when it goes wrong, invariably it always goes wrong to the extent whereby, yeah, I yeah we've had enough of each other. Yeah, I mean, I'm just happy I'm still in the metal world. You know what I mean? So I, they can do whatever they want to do, which is cool. I can. I'm I'm just happy I'm still here doing my thing. Yeah, and and I, th- I think it's it's pretty amazing as well because and, and you know absolutely no disrespect intended, but it's not that often that you hear of a drummer leaving a band and actually you know going on to create something, frankly, that's not shit. <laughs> I know, and I, I did think about this the other day, and I was like, fuck, you know, I'm pretty fucking lucky. Yeah, I think it, you know I should keep this really I'm quite proud of myself because not many people actually, especially backline people do it and you know get get a good reaction from it yeah yeah and i and to be honest with you mate i think um i'm a firm believer in you make your own luck well yeah i mean i could have easily just got a job in a factory or something you know but i was like no i work too hard i love metal too much i thought i'm gonna fucking give it one more go <laughs> so i did and, and 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 you know it's it's well it, uh, up to now it's worthwhile and then you're going to get on the road and all the rest of it. I mean, presumably you you want to you want a world tour this thing, not just the UK. Yeah, I mean the offers are coming in now, like Russia, Europe. Um, Clancy keeps going Japan, Japan, I'll go Japan. So we got to take Clancy to Japan. <laughs> and I I'm missing Australia and America, obviously, because all the band are American except for me and Clancy. So. I mean, yeah, I mean, everyone wants to tour, so we just got to wait. Yes, yeah, and that, I mean, yeah, no one could have, no one could have predicted this, so you just basically, you're just stuck in a holding pattern like the rest of us, waiting to find out what's going to happen. I know, yeah, musicians and techs last, though. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, so do you know, do you know Stilly then, Kev's brother? Um, I met him a couple of times, obviously, on tour and stuff. Yeah, normal as well as Kev. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I haven't spoken to Kev for a while. Actually, I should, um, I, I should catch up with him. He's, he's back in um, uh, Bridgend these days, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's still down there. I seen him. I seen him the day the my album got released. We all went out for a few beers. Ah, now I was having a look at this. What, on what day did the album get released? Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna say twenty. What's it now? October, August. So it's been out about six weeks, five, six weeks. Right. And you, and a million streams in the first week. That's immense. Has, and and have you kept have you kept up the momentum as well? Um, as much as we can, yeah. Um, I think it's on like two and a half million now. Obviously, the first week gets the big numbers and then drops off. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'd happy if it just stayed there. To be honest. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And he, and I've seen obviously your, your website has got uh, all all the physical on it as well, and all the merch and everything else. Are you guy? Is that handled by the label, or are you guys sort of handling that back end? Yeah, we do all that. Uh, I think the label they get like two merch options, but that's on their page. So 
Don't buy that. Buy one out page and buy ours. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I know. I know exactly what you mean. There's a, there's a lot of that going on, isn't there? Of of like you know you've got you've got to give us one to however many designs, and we um you know we can basically exploit them as we like. Yeah, so they were doing the bundles, and I and Steph was like, ah, oh, we should sell two of them. I was like, yeah, there's the label. I was like, don't you know? It, I I get I get where they're coming from, but you know it's our bread and butter at the end of the day, and they kind of pinching in a way but whatever yeah it's um well you know we, we've all got to get through this somehow have you have you guys talked about i mean you know would there be a likelihood of doing um uh any kind of any anything streaming wise but i'm i presume that's not really possible given that you're in different countries yeah we did one streaming thing but obviously i i had to pre-record my stuff because we're all in different parts of the world but as soon as we can all meet together we're going to finish we're going to do the other songs that we didn't do if you know what I mean together yeah yeah no I know I, I mean we're, we're we're you know we're spread well we're just spread across the UK but it, it instantly straight off it's like well you know you can't you can't do anything that's going to stream so yeah. it, it, you've then got to sort of piece something together so I think we just you're just going to wait until we can be in a room room again together this is weird, though, right? My brother's band, he's, my brother's in those damn crows. They went to Germany the, the other day and played a, in front of 150 people. Really? Yeah, I was like, what? How'd you do that? And he was like, I don't know, we just went to go test in, in London, come back negative, and we went to Germany and played a gig. Fucking hell, to, uh, to 150 people. Yeah. They, must, they they were either a really really important people or b spent a shitload of money. Yeah, he said it was. They were all in like, in like, um, oh, so like queues, but they weren't two meters apart or nothing. Oh like right, lucky bastard. Yeah, well, it's 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 that's just that's mad, isn't it? I mean, i i did a um i did a couple of comedy shows um a few weeks ago and they were the first shows I've done since January um, and that was that was just really weird because I was you know A I was rusty um, and B you're playing to people who are spaced out and further away and it's just I don't know it's really fucking odd yeah like those driving festivals I was like that was never going to work in my head I don't know it was a good it was a good uh, thought and a good push for the live industry but it would never work I think no not at all I mean you know can you imagine doing a show and in, you know and at the end of a song you've just got people flashing the high beams and hitting the horn <laughs> I know <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's another one now they're all in bubbles have you seen that I've seen yeah I've seen something like that that looks mad no that could be fun <laughs> yeah yeah well we we've just booked um we've been booked for a social dis a, it's a socially distanced festival it's a, but it's a private festival weird i know um uh in april and and they've said look you know barring everybody being in lockdown it will go ahead it's all you know we we it's all signed off we've got all of the ppe in place and everything else so it's going to be really interesting to see how they pull it off but yeah it's it's just mad it really is and then um Snooker was on the other day on the TV and there was people watching Snooker. I was like, huh? How can they watch Snooker if you can't do a gig? It's fucking weird. Yeah, I know. It's but there's all sorts of weird things, isn't it? It's like you know, you can't, you can't, you can't meet, you know, you can't meet 
people meet up with people from a household um from another household but you can go to work and work next to people who are from another household yeah and you can go to the pub <laughs> yeah yeah but you just can't but you just can't be within two meters of somebody from another household and it's like i was gonna go i'm gonna go and watch the leeds game and there's a mate of mine who said like well we can't go and it's like well, if you stand over one side of the pub and I'll stand over the other side of the pub and we just shout at each other, it'd be like being on the terraces. Yeah, exactly. It's fucking ridiculous. But Strange. Yeah, it is. It is. But I, I, yeah, I can't imagine doing anything of those social distance kind of things because you just, there's no energy. No. Maybe if you, you know, you'd all be looking at yourself thinking, well, like this time last year I was rocking full capacity venues and now it's like, oh, what's going on? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I you know, we thought about trying to all get in a room and just like, you know, just just do a gig and, and not even stream it, you know, just film it and then and then and put it out. But ultimately, what's the point in that? It's just like there's no crowd, there's no atmosphere. You know, there's no yeah. there's no nothing. Yeah, I just think the best thing to do is just wait it out, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was uh, when all this started. I was actually I was enjoying all of the lockdown collaborations and stuff like that. And now, I'm, if I see another one, I'm just gonna fucking kick my screen in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, they were all right for five minutes, were not they? I was just like, oh, all right, stop. Yeah, 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 because it started getting more and more outrageous with like you know people playing together who you just couldn't imagine playing together, and then like you watch a few seconds of it and go, oh fucking hell, guys, don't bother with that. Um, yeah. But we're all, you know, everybody is searching for content as well at the moment. Yeah, everyone's trying to obviously, like, hey, we're still here, you know, on tour, but you can still click out pages and buy merch. So I think that's why a lot of people are doing it. But I don't know. I don't know what to do next, really, except for wait. I, and, and that's the annoying thing, isn't it? Because that's not a thing. Waiting is not a thing. <laughs> No, I know. Well, since I left Bullet, that's all I've done. Tell my wife, they all I've done since I left Bullet is fucking wait. Uh. Waited to write the album, record the album. The album's been finished for like two years. So we have to wait then to get a right deal with Feeler. And then we have to wait to put the album out at a certain date. And now I'm waiting again. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, well, I admire your patience, mate. I really do. Um, and um, it, I mean, the. the this is all. This is all really positive, but I mean, there must have been there must have been dark times, you know, when 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 you first left the band and just kind of wondering what you were going to do and and all the rest of it. That must have been a, 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 a quite a thing to get through. Um, not not really. No, well, I was. I yeah, I was. There was a couple of nights like I was hitting the bottle, and my wife was like. Drinking again, I was like, "What the fuck else am I gonna do?" <laughs> and, she, and she said to me one day, she said, "Get in your fucking drum room and play fucking drums." I was like, "Why?" She goes, "Because you're depressed as fuck." So I did, and then that's how I started. I was like, "Oh fuck it out," and then I started texting Jordan. So, so I'll buy you a glass of wine after, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think you might have to. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> socially distanced glass of wine. <laughs> I know what you mean, though. It's like it's like if you if you've been playing drums in a band for as long as you have, and then there's no band, it's like, well, well, why do I play the why? What's the point in playing the drums? Yeah, I was like, you know, I'm just playing to myself. I need to, you know, I I'm not like a 
I hate drum solos. I hate all this flashy drum work stuff. I need a guitar, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Play. So I was like, oh, text Jordan then. And he'd send me these riffs. And I was like, right, straight into fifth gear, we're off. <laughs> Brilliant. And that, that must have been... That must have been a, a kind of a, a big turnaround as well when you felt that kind of... You, you, I know what you mean, you, you feel that kind of... It's almost adrenaline when you hear stuff and you want to play to it and you want to work with it and you think, fucking hell, we're off. We're at the races here. Yeah. Yeah, it was like, it was no, like, chords or nothing. It was like guitars that I really like to play drums to and it was perfect because the timing couldn't be more perfect. Yeah, that's, that's brilliant, mate. That really is. And... um by the sounds of it, it's just what you needed at the time. Yeah, it is. Yeah, still, still drinking wine, or. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the thing is, if if you, like, you say, you know, you you can you can lose that that aspect of 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 going in your room and playing your drums, and especially was there a part of you that was like, well, I don't want to play the drums because that's going to remind me of being in the band that I'm not in a band anymore. Um. Yeah, I couldn't. I wasn't. I didn't play any bullet stuff. It was just like right. So I just pro, pro, drew a line in the sand. I was like, okay, been there, done that. But now, now I've had like five years away from it. I'm like, oh, do you know what? I'm gonna jam this song by bullet. And, you know what I mean? Yeah. It helps to different style of drumming and stuff. You know. So now it's easing a bit. Yeah. Now the it, a bit. Yeah, because it's well, it's. You know, I mean, people always say, oh, no, you're being in a band, it's like, you know, it's like being married. No, it's not. It's like polygamy. It's like being in five fucking marriages. Yeah. Y- you know, and and when that all goes south, um, it's 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 like splitting up with somebody, isn't it? It's like, you know, there was, there's, you know, love turns to hate and there's a lot of emotion involved in it. And, you know, I, I know from personal experience, you just, you just want to fucking turn your back and walk away. I totally understand you not wanting to play any bullet songs because it's just... It's painful, isn't it? And then a few years, you know, you've had enough time now to be able to be, you know, go, yeah, do you know what? I can play that. Yeah, it's, it's because I'm happy now where I am, you know, with my new band. So it's just like, cool, you do yours, I'll do mine. Yeah, man. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Well, look, mate, that, that kind of that kind of sort of brings us to the perfect point to uh, to leave it, really. You know, I'm I'm really, really pleased for you. Um, the album sounds fucking amazing. Um, Thank you very much. And you've had an amazing response to it. Um, all we can do now is get out of fucking lockdown and tour the bastard. Yeah, as soon as, uh, as, soon as we um, bump into each other, we'll have a pint. Yes, we'll have a pint of wine. Oh, yeah, sound. <laughs> 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 All right, mate. Well, look, thanks for calling me back. I was, I'm sorry for hanging up on you in the first place. It's all right, no problem. All right, mate. Thanks for coming on, and um, I look I look forward to seeing you sometime out on the road. Yeah, man, most definitely. I'll, see, I'll catch you later. Take care, man. All right, bye. Cheers. And that was very cool. Really enjoyed that. Hope you did too. Um, and of course, uh, if you wanted to ask questions of Moose, then you would have to sign up at patreon.com and that gives you access to the all of the goings on behind the scenes at Talking Bollocks Towers. So basically, um, if you sign up at Patreon, if you're on a Patreon, if you're listening to this on your phone on a, or, or, or on a tablet and the, look at the podcast description, you will see a support this podcast um lettering 
uh, if you tap that, that is a link straight to um, patreon.com forward slash Howard H. Smith. If you sign up there, you get this podcast early, you get your own podcast um, of all the questions that have been asked, that you get to know who's coming on the show before everyone else, you get to drop your questions in, they're answered, you get it all in your own podcast, you get all sorts of other bits and pieces as well. There's loads of um, interesting bits and pieces going on. There's all You also get a monthly uh, radio show as well, two hours of music. So um, there's a lot there for just five dollars. What? Fucking hell, Howard, you should put the price up. Yeah, I know, it's been that for quite a while now. Why don't you put it up then? Well, you know, maybe soon, but for now, in the middle of lockdown, probably not a good idea. So anyway, um, if you want to get on down there, there's lots of acid rain behind the scenes. There's lots of t- um, talking bollocks behind the scenes. Do a, do a kind of live podcasty thing once a month and a radio show and all the other stuff. So get involved. Anyway, it was really cool to talking to Moose there. And um, there's a really good example. It, it was it was it was really cool. Um how he was talking about the old um, Bullet For My Valentine material and, and, and not wanting to play it um, and, and you know, steering away from that and it, you know, kind of depressing him at the time. But now, you know, time has moved on and, and, and he's, you know, he's happy to play the, the odd bullet tune and go, oh, yeah, yeah, and, then, and, and, and enjoy it. It's so similar to breaking up with somebody it's so similar to losing somebody you know it's it's that it's that kind of grief that comes with losing a partner or you know or splitting up with somebody or you know where you're grieving for the relationship or or you know the loss of that person in your life um and it's similar to grieving when you you know when you actually lose somebody in your life when somebody passes away and there's uh, and you know instantly or nothing you know it just brings tears it brings disappointment it brings sadness it brings you know melancholy nothing but that at the time but then with distance and as time moves on you're able to look back and smile about a relationship that you you know that you you didn't want to get out of and and, you know and and, you know I never want to hear from that person again and then you hear from them and you think oh well I'm glad they're doing well um you know how it is and and basically that is the whole process that goes on you know when when leaving a band and so when people do say you know it's like it's like being in a marriage it is uh, or a number of marriages it, because you're so close and you and you share things um that is probably the, the you know the closest equivalence uh, it's still not kind of right really um but um but you get the idea hey you heard the interview and i'm sure you figured it out so it's time for another interview i am going headlong into another interview now this one i've got to apologize this one is with sean lamb now we did this interview back in february for goodness sake february before lockdown i've got no well i've got an excuse i've just it's just been in the vaults and i haven't got round to putting it on the show yet and now it is going to be on the show for you so um sean was involved in um producing and creating um the docu uh, well the documentary yes it is a documentary which is called Cy- saigon metalhood okay saigon metalhood the um the unknown story um of the vietnamese metal scene so uh, yeah i mean i mean as soon as i saw this this movie existed i just thought i have got to speak to somebody who's involved in this and find out exactly 
what was going on. So um, I, I think it was Twitter. I managed to, um, I managed to track down Sean. He was uh, really cool about this. One of the producers um, and gave me a um, and gave me a link to watch the movie. It, I mean, you just yeah, it's unbelievable. It's called the Saigon Metalhood documentary. I will put a link to the um, documentary in the podcast description so um have a look there anything that is different color to the actual test text describing the podcast so for instance support this podcast my patreon link or any other links will appear in different colors and you just click those links and it'll it'll take you to the relevant place so i will put a link in there for you so ladies and gentlemen without further who am i kidding Ladies, are there any ladies out there? Women, please let me know if there is any female listeners. I, I know there is mate, like two, but please, it'd be good to hear. Um, do let me know. Anyway, sorry, tangent. This is Sean and I having a chat about, about his documentary way back in February. Hello. Hello there, Sean. Hello, hello, mate. How you doing? Um, I'm very well. I, I, I feel like uh, I feel like we've known each other for years. Yeah, I know. Right? Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, when was it? Two weeks ago. Yeah, it was probably it was probably that probably about two finally weeks ago. Yeah, we finally got round to it after um, watching too yeah. much football and drinking too much beer. I mean, it's a noble uh, reason for this not to have happened. But is this your first post promotion podcast? Um, uh, yes, it is. Yeah, this is the first. You are you are the first interview I've done um, with somebody who is aware of this. Funnily enough, the next interview I'm doing later on tonight is Billy Sheehan, and I don't think he's about to ask me. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, congratulations for the people who are give a shit about football. Anyway, man, that's uh, sixteen years of hurt, was it? Oh, mate, every one of them painful. I mean, it really was. It wasn't like 16 years of not being in the Premiership. It was 16 years of horrendous ownership, of going down to, you know, League One for the first time in our history. I mean, yeah, everything um, was just horrendous. So, yeah, it's uh, it's good to be back. Yeah, I bet. I mean, I'm actually quite excited about it, I'm sure, which I'm sure that excitement will evaporate once uh, Spurs play Leeds next year. But And I'll remember... The reason why everyone enjoyed them going down in the first place, but it was, it's good to have like two extra games. You know, like it's good to have two extra games a year now. That's going to be, uh, you know, a bit more meaningful than your average kind of newly promoted side for sure. I know what you mean. There's a, you know, we've we've got history with everybody. Well, we are we are officially in, yeah. in the UK the most hated club. Believe it or not, um, Millwall uh, comes second. So uh, I don't know how we've managed that. Yeah, that's that's fairly impressive. <laughs> Congratulations on another great achievement. Yeah, I know that is that's quite a, quite an impressive <laughs> achievement, isn't it? Being uh, being more hated yeah. than Millwall. But um, any, yeah, no, sure. any, anyway, look, let's get this let's get this on to um, let's get this on to the movie because. Um, um, oh, yeah. it, it's it it seems to me very much like um, a labour of love. You know, I, I don't obviously it wasn't it wasn't something the three of you thought. Hey, let, you know, let's ma- let's make this and uh, and you know we'll win Oscars and become filmmakers. It's something that clearly is a labour of love. How where did the idea come from? I'm presuming some you know one of you went to Vietnam and came back with the story, or 
How did it happen? Well, I've actually been living in, well, all of us that made it, we've been li living in Vietnam for about six years. And uh, like we went over there to do English teaching first. And me and William, the other guy who was involved in all of the production, uh, like we made a film about the, the, the drinking street there called Bui Vien. And we made a film about that, which took the best part of a year to do. And like, yeah, we've got a, bit, got a real taste for, like, you know, like making documentaries. And I was in a metal band when I was a teenager. Um, I used to play like, yeah, you know, in a, in my local town scene. Right. And we were looking for we were looking for the metal scene in Vietnam for a while, and it's very hard to find. They do not market themselves very well at all. But then um, William started to date a girl who was involved in the scene, sort of out of nowhere. So then we found the guy Sargo, the who is the first guy in our story. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, so we, we were going to make a short film about him, but then we started attending gigs. We started to see some of the other bands that were there, and we started to be more involved in in that scene. And they 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 really let us in. So yeah, it turned into a three year project. Wow, I mean uh, that's that, that that's quite an quite an adventure. I mean, did you always set out to make a sort of a you know a feature, or was it, or were you you know just gonna? Or, or, I guess the story sort of as it unfolds. Sort of dictates what what the movie becomes. Exactly. Yeah. Um, when we first started out, like, it, we were going to just focus on the older guy Sargo because you know he's got some interesting stories. He's lived through pretty much the start of when rock music came to Vietnam uh, with the American soldiers there. Yeah. Like all the way through the ban after the war, and now he still plays today. You know. So. Uh, we were going to focus on him as a, as, a, as a kind of like, look at it, you know, is this an interesting character? But then once we sort of seen how all this the metal community there was, you know, kind of just struggling against the status quo in, in a lot there because like metal is not a popular genre there at all. And it was just, it was really cool for us. And then, yeah, it, it became this big sprawling uh, feature for a while, but we managed to rein it, rein it in and, you know, Categorized how we did in, into the past, present, and the future of it. Well, it was, it's quite amazing as well because, as you said, there's a, it's a very the, the scenes that are there are very small, but they but they still manage to be fractured and have rivalries, and it, it's you know, it's like or, or, you know yeah. th those those kind of silly things that you get everywhere, and it's amazing that you know you go all the way over there, and even in that small scene, you've still got those divisions. No, for sure, man. Like the the hardcore scene and the, like the people who are playing that kind of like the metal with no solos and and everything, and, and then the traditional metal scene, which kind of has a lot of different genres in it. But yeah, they they for the most part can't stand each other. There was a quite a few attempts to unify them, but there's like a surprising amount of bad blood, you know, between very small communities. It's like they clearly would be a lot stronger standing together, but you know, too much has happened, apparently, so that's not going to happen. That's bizarre, it really is. I mean, I must admit, from a personal point of view, I actually preferred what the younger guys were doing. Um, to me, it seemed like, oh, right, okay, cool. That's, you know, there's 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 a relevancy to that. You know, that's that's there's contemporary, contemporary influences there. 
whereas they like the 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 older the older guys it 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 just it all seemed just um well basically a little behind the times the with the the, with the first like with Sargo and the, the second guy Loki as well yeah yeah uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it kind of was as well, though. I mean, Loki's heyday was in the kind of late part of, you know, maybe 2010. That was when he really started to come through. But yeah, I mean, with these guys, the metal scene there is so is very cut off from uh, the rest of the world. You know, that yeah. they're learn they're learning about it through like at one CD or something that might make its way through the whole community, and it means that the scene is kind of quite pure in, in, in its own kind of strange way like there's some it, it, like with metal music when I was growing up in it there was a certain kind of elitism there you know like if you were oh god yeah if you were like yeah you know like the people who like Metallica as their favourite band for example it was seen as like a gateway band so the ones it was kind of like you know why don't you listen to something proper like Lamb of God you fucking wanker you know it, it was uh, <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. The, metal elite, yeah. the metal elitism but is like, amazing yeah yeah, it is. So, like people trying to like out hardcore each other on what, what they were listening to or not, and it's hard to fall into, hard not to fall into that if you're involved in metal communities. Uh, in my experience, but in Vietnam, there's, they're kind of free of that, you know. They uh, like when we were over at Loki's house, who's this like brooding, neck tattooed Vietnamese guy who's like you know the vanguard of his time for the metal scene. There, we were getting drunk with him and fucking doing Backstreet Boys karaoke. You know, it was like very. Uh, there was a, a real lack of that. So there, there was a real lack of kind of uh, self consciousness. Self conscious. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 No. Exactly. Um, and and I guess that that's you know you know the word we're looking for is naivety, isn't there? There's a kind of there's a naive beauty to to sure. all of that. Um, and so Definitely. so so is the answer to the question why hasn't Vietnam's like you know metal scene taken off and all the rest of it i mean can it be can it be as simple as to place it at the door of the lack of internet access that that you know the average member of society has is that because that's the only thing i can think of as to why they wouldn't be able to consume all the metal they like and they're handing cds around yeah i've i've like we're in in this day and age the, the internet is not a bound, uh, problem at all in Vietnam, like in the main cities, it's even outside. But in my opinion, it came from the, in 1975, obviously the, that was the end of the Vietnam War and the new government there were quite untrusting of what they considered to be like a Western influence. So they banned stuff like rock, rock music and you know, long hair was very frowned upon. So when right. in in most of the other scenes in England and in America, you know, that was a real foundational time for heavy music where like it allowed itself to at least really put like stamp, put its stamp on the subculture there and allow it to, you know, become like a multi-generational thing. But in Vietnam, that was completely lacking. You know, they, they were getting the occasional CD that would come in from Thailand, like, the whole country knows the song Hotel California just because it was one of the bootleg CDs that, that uh, was in circulation at that time. But yeah, I feel that that was the thing that really, it didn't allow it to ever take off. And once once like it did sort of open itself up a little bit more, 
um, they'd already missed out on on a on a huge, you know, important moment it, that for it, for it to stamp itself in the culture. Yeah, I mean that that is a, a con- you're, you're absolutely right. That is a considerable amount of time to be kind of you know in the wilderness, as it were. Um, and I and I guess the music will is is still sort of if not so much tainted by the government still tainted by society because i would imagine it, it's still the sort of long hair not being you know not being a good idea is probably still hanging around the because we're only a few generations after after those kind of laws yeah definitely i mean modern vietnam is changing very quickly it's a very like young country there's a lot you know with, with the age demographics but so the modern Vietnamese, they're like they're they are quite very modern, you know. Like they're it's changing very fast, but it's a very homogenous country too, you know. So most people will share similar interests. Most a lot of the music that people like will be generally liked by everyone as well. So it, it makes you know it's harder to for something as kind of left field as as metal, you know, to yeah. come in and really stamp itself, yeah. Yeah, because you because K-pop is is really sort of found a home there, isn't it? Yeah, man. Yeah, K-pop. They like EDM, like dance music. Uh, US, they the American and English pop, which they call like US UK. But I mean, for the majority of people, they're like if you say a rock band, they think Maroon Five. You know, like that's the kind of situation that you're dealing with. Right, yeah. So it's 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 almost like yeah. Oh Christ, yeah. That's rock, is it? So so if they you know so so are, are Metallica a mainstream band then? Not in the slightest, man. Really? Yeah, so, not in the least. None. Most people would never have even heard of them. Wow. Right. So so we finally we find we finally find a country that um that 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 Metallica can't play. <laughs> <laughs> that's it yeah I mean when we in our film actually there's a, a, a the band uh, White Whitechapel come yeah. to come to Vietnam yeah they come to Vietnam that's probably the biggest metal concert that has ever happened in Vietnam like the, the young boys in our film you know they organised it and made it happen but that is probably the biggest band that's ever come to play in Vietnam well I am going to put in um, history I'm going to put a um uh uh a warning about a um, well, a spoiler alert before we carry on this part. So if you are going to watch the documentary, uh, probably skip forward a few seconds. But um, when they when when they were in the bit when they were organising that um, that gig and uh, and like the voiceover is saying, you know, usually two hundred people turn up to rock shows, but Legacy have booked a hall that holds one thousand people. And I'm just thinking, oh shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like straight away, you just you just like, oh, guys, no, no. All of a sudden, the audience doesn't doesn't increase by eighty percent just because you want it to. Right, you know, yeah, no, like, exactly. Oh, yeah, I really felt. And, and and the way that they charged, yeah, man, me too, me too, because they like, after, they did a really successful gig that we have in there when the band defeated Sanity came. Yes, and like it was, you know, yeah, and that really went well. Even though there was a lot of fucking uh, mishaps in the lead up to it that were kind of outside of their control, they like, they delivered and they delivered a really really good show. So like optimism was fucking sky high after that, you know. 
everyone was, was buzzing, like they were feeling like we can do this shit. So yeah, man, it was uh, <laughs> it was sad. Yeah, so it's just that classic, you know, trying to run before you can walk and. Um... I mean, it's it's still cool though, you know. They still get to say that, you know, the big the biggest metal show that's happened in 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 Vietnam, you know, they they promoted it and, um, uh, you know, and Whitechapel turned up, man. They came over and they played. Yeah, exactly. They did exactly. They did. It was. I mean, it was still a good night, but you know, it, it was just it was a real logistics fucking mistake. You know, I mean, the the place. If they had a, if they had like a hall for you know 250 people, it would have been an insane night for Vietnamese metal standards. You know that yeah. people would have, it would have really been a good thing. But when you have that big empty hall oh, and mate, the sound qualities, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it, it look, believe you me, mate. I've played, I've played venues like that, and it, it looks to me like an old school ballroom, which means there would have probably been a lot of glass in there as well, and loads of mirrors. And and you get you get the sound bouncing around in there, and it it's like it just oh, it can tear the paint off the walls. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Lots of mirrors, yeah. uh, lots of glass. The ceilings were ridiculously high, you know. Yeah, like playing in a gym, man. Right. Oh man, is yeah, like playing in a big glass gym. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like I mean, it's literally, literally the worst type of venue that you could find for a metal show it's like well i want one with really high ceilings um we're only gonna have 200 people in it so nice and big um and uh, and if all the walls can be mirrors that'd be great because we want it to sound hideous <laughs> it's like oh the poor guys man the poor guys yeah yeah and no, i was because they are lovely dudes like you know they were super uh Super welcoming of us. Like when we when we first started to make this film, there was a few other filmmakers who had approached the people in the scene there and had like offered to make them music videos and stuff like that. But they were they were they were apparently quite untrusting of them, where they had uh, sort of been like, you know, what's no? And like the dude was offering to make it for free, and he, the the boys were like, you know, not interested. It's like what? You're, we, we, they felt like he was going to try and profit off, off it somehow. So. We were warned off, but that was not my experience at all. I, I found that they were super welcoming to us. Yeah, they seemed um, they seemed really nice guys, and 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 you know, super enthusiastic. And I was I was absolutely floored at the end um, where um, where one of these lovely guys has passed away. That's right. Yeah, the that's I mean, it, it happened after. Uh, we had finished production pretty much a week before we finished the final cut of the film. So, I mean, there was, it was, it didn't have anything to do with the metal scene. Um, and we felt like to make it part of the story would be inappropriate. So we just wanted to give him a tribute at the end. And, uh, very, very sad. Really, really, like, you know, I can't, yeah, it was shocking, shocking news. Yeah, I know because well, it's it. I mean, I you know, I was I was merely watching the film. I mean, you you knew these dudes, um, and it just came. It, yeah. You know, at, at the end of the movie, it's the last thing you're expecting, and I presume the way that that appears at the end, and it's the last thing you're expecting, is kind of how it unraveled in real life by the sounds of it. So, so what what happened? Do you know exactly? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, he took his own life. Oh no! Yeah. Oh, yeah, dear. I know. Twenty, twenty-four, twenty-four years old. 
I know. I mean, I was I, I, at the end when it says, you know, born, you know, born 1995, you know, to 2019. I was thinking like 1995, Christ, you know, I put I put three albums out by right. then. Do you know, <laughs> you know, we we toured the yeah, world man. and and yeah. and quit, and and it's like, oh God, you know, yeah. he probably oh, it's so 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 sad. Um, yeah, but, it was. It was. It was a real choker, man. And uh, just, I didn't see it coming. Apparently, some of the the people in the scene, it was seen, they were like less surprised. I mean, he was he was a, a morbid, like he was a really funny dude. But you know, he had that kind of morbid sense of humour a lot, and would kind of like go along that side. But 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 I mean, obviously, I did. I I knew him pretty well from making this, but I didn't know him like his friends did. You know, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just, well, yeah, it's you know, it's, but and uh, but as you said, it's it, it, it's not it's not part of the story, and you know the documentary really, um, you know, covers covers everything it should do, and and it's it's really it's a really nice little fitting tribute at the end there. Um, and, yeah, um, that's what I, I think his pa- his parents have seen it too, so and uh, like I, I uh, you know, it's just kind of a, it was a happy time in his life. Uh, as well, from from what I from what I, he was telling me, and you know, from talking to him, like the, the whole adventure of got taking that metal agency and trying to take on the world um, was a very happy time in his life. So I hope that we did it justice. Ah, oh, that's awesome. Um, and and it's kind of weird, a weird sort of bookend as well, because the because the because of course the documentary starts with you know probably the oldest rocker in town who's 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 still doing it. And then you finish with you know a young guy yeah. who's, who's who's taking his own life in his in his prime. It's it's a real kind of I don't know. It's a real sort of poignant ending. Absolutely, you know, swept my feet away. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, man. Um, exactly. I mean, like obviously with Sargo, um, that we had the three main characters with Sargo, Loki, <laughs> yeah. and and Vu. And, do you realize? Uh, do you like, realize that you that, know, that does sound like the cast of Avengers? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. When when people when first I heard about this guy Loki, it was like, ah, oh, shit, we have to meet this dude. You know, his name is like Chung Loki. It's like, what a cool fucking name. I need to, well, I, but he's he's a funny dude, man. He's got had some demons though, that guy. Yeah, well, I kind of felt that way about all of them. Yeah, sure, sure. You know, it must be something about. <laughs> it's it, hard, I'd say. It's hard. It's a hard way well, of life out gone. there. I was going to say it's a hard, hard way of life out there. I would imagine. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it is. It isn't. It isn't. But I feel like when you're, if you're doing something you're passionate about, then if you're just just doing it for pure commercial success, then you're doing it for the wrong reasons, and you're most likely doomed to fail. You know, like these guys are doing it purely because, like, they like it. I mean, they they try and make it a commercial success, but they're just they're doing it because that's what they're interested in and i feel that like it's kind of the way that you should you should do things you know yeah absolutely it's called integrity mate and you know the the more people that have it the better yeah for sure man yeah that was all i kind of took out from it because you know they, they had friends that were not in the metal scene too and they kind of would be you know snickered at for being involved in kind of things like that but you know they just fucking did it because that was what they were interested in and and you know Sargo like lived his life kind of doing rock gigs like on the sly with the kind of 
you know, there was ten years where he could have been thrown in jail, but they would he would just he would go and play rock gigs because that's what he wanted to fucking do. Yeah, and and like you said, there is there, there is an, an, a, a lovely sort of purity, naivety, whatever you want to call it. There there is that you know that, that you that you won't get from established scenes. Definitely, definitely, because I mean, there's always going to be posers in in the more established ones, and there's going to be people who are kind of like look at it as a stepping stone, but. I mean, for most of this, most of the guys in Vietnam, like that was that was it, you know. That was that was that was it, you know. Like there was no so many bands in the metal scene in Vietnam have formed, um, done like the first album, which would show promise in a lot of in a lot of uh, cases, like a really a strong first album. They play a few of the of the scene spots, of which there are not many, and then they just wrap it up, call it a day, you know, because that's what that was it. There was no, there was no path to anything more after that. Yeah, yeah, and that, and that is, that's always going to be the problem. Um, you know, you you can't, yeah, you can't grow a scene from the top down. You know, there's got to be that foundation. Um, it's, yeah. I mean, do you, I, do you see it ever developing beyond what it is now? Um, I think. It, you see, in the places around it, like in Indonesia or in Thailand, Singapore, like the metal scenes there are very healthy. Yeah. So I guess, it, you know, they're very strong metal scenes. Um, uh, so I guess like if there's a bit more of a crossover there, you know, I know a few of the bands from Vietnam have gone to do tours in, in the Southeast Asian scene. So I guess if that just becomes a little bit more accessible that offers a way into, you know, a much bigger market for people. That, and if, if one band blazes the trail, I'm sure other people will, will look to them and, uh, and push it forward. And, and Vietnam, Vietnamese people are very patriotic as well. So if, any, if one, of their, one of their boys is going to somewhere else and making it big, they will support them no matter what. And I think by virtue of someone's success, that could make more people interested in that. So basically, what we're saying is the door is open for a Vietnamese Metallica. I mean, someone just has to kick it in, man. That's it. So it's always just got to kick it. That's a that's a really cool place to leave it. Actually, um, that's a that's a, that's a great that's a great way to leave it. Um, uh, well, look, Sean. For now, thank you very much. But I've got some um, I've got some subscriber questions for you. Um, so would you be okay to hang around and answer those? Yeah, no problem. Cool, man. Okay, but for for now, don't go anywhere. But for now, thank you very much. Um, so yeah, thank you very much. Right. Yeah, thanks it. for having me, man. Um, it's the it's the first podcast I've ever done by phone, so uh, it was a new experience. But I think it was, I think it was pretty good. I liked it. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely, mate. It's been, it's been a have it's been a pleasure having you on. It really has. Nice one, man. What a top chap, and what a project to take on. Um, it really fascinating stuff so i will um as i said make sure that those links are available for you um in the pod- podcast description uh keep your eyes on those so um that was great fun um, but look i hope you've re- i hope you've enjoyed yet another talking bollocks needless to say as you know you have got um part two of the sepultura trilogy on its way um coming up on the date of the next sepul quarter 
which will be, let me just check, um, uh, let me have a look, so it's going to be, right, it will be December the 5th, December the 5th will be the day that the Andreas Kisser part of the uh, Sepulquatra interview comes out, that will be live in your podcast players, remember to subscribe wherever you are, remember to share the podcast, because you, you the people, you the listeners, the bollockers, the the podcast faithful, you are the greatest, greatest thing I have in my arsenal to be able to spread the word of this podcast. Now, you might have noticed that um, I have now moved to Podbean as opposed to um, All About The Rock. They are still Brill and are still my guys, um, but I'm now uh, on Podbean. I'm available absolutely everywhere. So um, give us a share, give us a shout out, whatever you do, please do let me know. And um, it's been great. Uh, now I'm uh, fully out across all the statistics, seeing all of you downloading these all over the world. Um, uh, un- unbelievably popular in Finland for some reason. So, um, yeah, I know. How weird is that? So bearing that in mind, it, it, I mean, I have to do this, don't I? Hyvä päivä. Hey! Or... Terve. That was basically... Uh, saying hello in Finnish. So, uh, yeah, shout out to the Finnish massive there. Keep up the good work, guys. And all of you around the world, keep listening, keep supporting. If you would, sign up at Patreon. Definitely worth it. Everybody who has comes and stays and raves about it. So dip in and check it out. It's got to be worth it even just for a month. There's so much there to have a dig around of. Also, there is the new Talking Bollocks website on Podbean. Um, I think that's podbean.talkingbollock.com. Just put in Talking Bollocks Podbean into a search engine and you'll find it. You'll find every single podcast there. There is a 128, sorry, 129 130, including this one, to get stuck into. So go and get stuck into them. Thank you very much. As always, it's a pleasure to be in your ears. It really is. Wherever you are, I hope you're well. hope you're taking care. Be safe, be well, and I will speak to you again very soon.